everyone, and welcome to Outdoor Explorer. I'm Adam Verrier, and today my guest is Lee Bowling. Lee has been described as a fellow human, a father of three, a friend, an engineer, mathematician, mountain bike shredder, skier, singer-songwriter, and single-track bike trail building visionary. And it's that last part, the trail building, building part, that I wanted to talk to you about today, Lee, uh, because you're the president of a group called Single Track Advocates. So uh, welcome to Outdoor Explorer, Lee. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Well, uh, so why don't you start by introducing Single Track Advocates? Uh, I I go out mountain biking quite a bit in different parts of town, and uh, and I know this Single Track Advocates is a group that's had something to do with these trails. Maybe you can tell us what you guys are all about. Yeah, Single Track Advocates is a great organization. We're a nonprofit here in Anchorage, and we're focused on Anchorage trails. And we're focused on creating, preserving, and maintaining single track trails here in Anchorage, Alaska. So we got um, different trail systems all over Anchorage. We got some at Kincaid and then also over at Hillside. So... Anchorage is a place that's known as being a city of trails. I mean, if you go on uh, you go on Alaska Airlines and you read the uh, read the magazine, I guess they don't have the magazine anymore. But it used <laughs> yeah, to be right? when they had the magazine, uh, you're always reading about uh, for tourists. Uh, there's all these trails you can do. You can ride your bike on the coastal trail. That place is getting more and more busy all the time. Uh, we've got the Chester Creek Trail, the Campbell Tree- Creek Trail. Uh, if you go down to Girdwood, you have the Gird to Bird bird to gird trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all these hard surface trails. And then you have all these trail systems like the, the Kincaid Park Ski Trail System, Bartlett, APU, the hillside. But single track advocates, uh, it's my understanding, is uh, it consists only of soft, soft surface trails and only narrow trails. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So like single track is about, you know, a trail that's about, you know, I would say two feet, two feet to three feet wide. And just made out of, you know, the normal, um, you know, dirt that's there on site. You're not bringing anything in. And really, we're making these trails pretty specifically for mountain biking. But you can also use them to hike on and run on as well. But uh, having that mountain bike flavor to these trails is really what makes them um, special and sets them apart from all the other trails here in Anchorage. And how did this... When, how long has STA been building trails in Anchorage? Yeah, that's a great question. So Janice Tower formed Single Track Advocates in 2004, so quite a while ago. And uh, then we built the first um, trails at Hillside Park by Hilltop uh, called like Queen Bee, Janice's Jive, those trails, eight miles there in 2008. And then from there, we moved on to, I, I joined STA after that in about 2009. And I led the development of the Kincaid Trails. So we got a bunch of trails out there, about 17 miles of trail out at Kincaid. And then we went back to Hillside and built even more trials over at, uh, at Hillside as well. So how many are at Hillside now? The to- what's the total trail length, do you think? So total, like the, if, you, if you have Kincaid and Hillside added up all together, we've got about 30 miles of trail. Okay, that, so about half of that being at Kincaid and about the other half being at Hillside. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. And those are the trails that, that you've built. Uh, that's correct. Because it, if you go to Hillside, there's trails all over the place. And I, and I get the impression that a lot of those STA has nothing to do with. Is, yeah, is right? there's a lot of other trails that are out there, um, kind of some social trails and things like that that we have nothing to do with. Um, 
also some of the kind of the older Nordic, you know, trails are out there we're not involved with, but really just the uh, just the single track trails out there. And we have some great maps on our website. You can always go to our website and see all the trails that kind of underneath our purview. And uh, the great thing about building these trails is that after they're built, we maintain them. So we're maintaining them every year, you know, brushing the trail, you know, brushing the uh, brush back, fixing, uh, you know, drainage problems and making sure they everything looks really good. It's fun to ride. So if, um, if you're going out mountain biking out there, uh, the, the, what, what sets, what sets, you've said that these are, are sort of biased for, for, uh, for mountain bikers and Mm -hmm. they're, they're made with, with mountain biking in mind. Um, but you've got a lot of social trails out there that are pretty wide. Uh, I'm thinking of, and some of the old trails, uh, Rover's Run, for, uh, for mm-hmm. example, gets a lot of mountain bike use. Yeah. Uh, but that's not, I don't believe, an STA trail. No, it's not an STA trail. What was, in, in Independence Park, in Far North, uh, far, far North uh, Bicentennial Park, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you've, there's a pretty established system of trails in there. What made it so that Janus and NSTA wanted to build additional trails in addition to what was there. I mean, you had the, the, the ski trails, which a lot of people were using for mountain biking. Yeah, totally. And in, and in fact, I remember um, speaking with people, you know, the ski club has dealt with in the, in the past uh, the, the issue of summer trail maintenance. They always uh, clear the, mow the grass in the, in the fall to make the trails ready for cross-country skiing so you can ski with a little bit of snow. But one of the issues for the ski club historically has been getting rid of the, the mountain bike rut because you yeah. only get so many years before the rut gets built in into the ski trails and uh, the ski club, you know, takes it on. It, that's just a, a, a maintenance thing that they regularly did was try to flatten the trails back out. Every 20 years or so, they'd do a little bit of work to try and, and flatten the trails back out. Yeah. Um, there's certainly been a lot of mountain bike use in these parks where the STA, STA trails uh, are mm-hmm. for many years, for many decades. Yeah, uh, before probably we since even the built those trails, right? Yeah. Uh, but what was it about the existing trail system that made uh, Janus and the organization think that you wanted something different? I mean, what didn't yeah. exist? That you're, what gap were you trying to fill? Yeah, I think the way to kind of think about it is that, like... Uh, Vanilla ice cream, right? Vanilla ice cream is pretty good, right? Everyone, it's, it's all right. But you know, if if but for me, my favorite ice cream is like Tillamook mudslide. You got the <laughs> chocolate in there. You got the fudge. You know all that stuff. And those older trails are kind of like a vanilla quality mountain bike trail. You know what I mean? But if but really, single track advocates was focused on making these quality trails that had this. Um, you know, different aspects to it that really made it super fun to be on on a bike. And that's like that Tillamook mudslide ice cream, right? And uh, really trying to design the trail and lay it out to get the most fun out of the trail. And really having a spot too where it was, um, you know, it was okay to mountain bike and it was a, a great spot to be. And it wasn't like there were other users that were, uh, you know, may not want you there or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, biking on a ski trail versus uh, something else. So. Yeah, during the winter. Because I think biking on, in, on a ski trail during the summer is totally cool with everybody, including yeah. the ski trail, the ski club and, and everybody totally, else. Totally, totally. Uh, but during the winter when they're groomed, uh, the idea being that ski that, that uh, bikes don't uh, are not really compatible with uh, with groomed ski trails. and, and Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, so it's, it's just really getting that kind of quality trail out there. And, you know, there's so many neat things that you can do on, the, on our trails. You know, we have we have bank turns that which are really you don't see on any other trails. You have bank turns. You got rollers. 
Um, there's definitely ju different f jump features like a tabletop jump or a step down or step up and then rock gardens and, you know, there's routes to navigate through as well. So it just makes uh, just a really fun experience to be on when you're on your bike. And what if you're a, uh, a mountain biker who uh, isn't all that experienced? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, this, this, this occurs to me after last winter with the first winter of the pandemic, actually in the spring when the pandemic started, the first thing that I noticed when going out skiing in the spring was that there were all these new skiers uh, who looked like they had either just pulled their skis <laughs> out of the garage for the first time in decades, yeah. or they went down to the local ski shop and bought a bunch of equipment, or they rented. Actually, I think probably in a lot of cases, they rented equipment for the afternoon, went out to Kincaid or to Hillside, and especially Kincaid in the stadium, mm -hmm. and were out there learning how to cross-country ski, which was awesome. It's great to see so many people getting into the sport. Yep. But I would think that, especially in this pandemic, there must be a lot of people who are doing the same thing with mountain biking because mountain biking is a little bit technical. You were talking about jumping. Mm -hmm. um, I've been mountain biking since I probably got my first mountain bike in 1987, mm -hmm. and I don't jump. I don't jump at all. <laughs> I try to keep yeah. my wheels on the ground at all times. Yeah. Um, what do you say to somebody who uh, who likes riding a bike on the coastal trail and and uh, and even would go out on the ski trails mm -hmm. and ride on soft surface trails and is pretty comfortable with that? Yeah. But sees all these jumps and ramps and bank trails and says, I don't think I really belong there. Yeah. Do they belong there or do they not? You know, it, all the trails that we have have different kind of ability levels, kind of like downhill skiing, right? You got your you got your beginner trail and your intermediate trail and your expert trail, right? And so I definitely think for people that are just getting into it, definitely uh, start out on the beginner type of trails, you know, the green trails. Are and those trails labeled? Yeah, we have them on our maps. They'll have like okay. a little beginner slash intermediate type of thing. It's mostly on the on the overall trail map that you'll see that. But for example, Kincaid probably has the most um, e the most the easier trails in our network, and that's a great place to start. So like the bowling alley is a great beginner loop named after you, named after me. That's <laughs> right. I love that name. Uh, Middle Earth is another great one as well. And uh, and the thing about all the features that we built is everything can be rolled over. So as long as you're going slow enough and you roll over it, you're not going to catch any air or it, that you don't want to or anything like that. So we try to really have safety in mind when we're building um, those different features and whatnot. Right. So if you're a person like me who wants to go down steep trails, mm -hmm. but I don't want to catch any air, is it okay to go slow? And I mean, what's the etiquette? Uh, yeah. Should you be concerned that people are going to come from behind you and say, what is this guy doing out here? He doesn't, <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to go fast, you don't belong on this expert trail. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to those people who might be nervous about that? Or should they be nervous or, uh, or you know? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. We get that question quite a bit, actually. And, you know, I would say, um, you know, ride within your, your ability level. So um, a lot of the expert trails will have what we call like a qualifier right before them, which might be a kind of a rock drop or a, or a little wooden kind of plank. And that kind of says like, hey, if you can't ride ride over this feature, then there's harder stuff along the way that you're going to encounter. So just, hey, you know, heads up. Okay, but maybe heads not up. as hard as this. Yeah. Like this is sort of the limit. There's yeah. going to be a, a foot and a half drop. If you don't feel comfortable with this, there's some other foot and a half drops out there totally, too. Totally, totally, yeah. exactly. But um, you can still go, still, still go down them. And I think for as far as etiquette goes, and, uh, you know, etiquette's been uh, a thing that we've talked about a lot over the years on the board and, and other users. It just comes down to being a good human being, you know, like just uh, respect everybody that's out there and everyone's trying to have a good time and, and just respect that. And I'll, if there is a faster rider that comes up behind, the faster rider is supposed to yield to the slower rider. And sometimes if I run into that situation, I say, hey, is there a good spot up there that I can pass you? And then 
the person might say, oh yeah, right over here, I'll, I'll pull over and you know, you can go around from there. So. Yeah. Okay. One yeah. of the things that, one of the things that I do when I ride out there and I'm out there, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month. I mean, not that mm-hmm. often, but, but I tend to ride with a bell yeah. just so I won't get into a head on collision with somebody, uh, on some of the two way trails, mm-hmm. but the effect that it has, and sometimes I feel a little guilty about this is that I think that there's a minority of bikers out there who ride with a bell like I do. Mm-hmm. Generally, when we're when we're coming toward each other, people hear my bell, and then I never have to get off. And this is not my intent, <laughs> but I never get off my bike because they've already pulled over because they hear me coming and yeah. they let me go by, which is yeah. nice, but it's not my intention. Uh, my bell isn't, I'm not trying to say, please get out of my way, yeah. here I come. Bell, bell, get out of my way. <laughs> right. Well, what I do, usually, you know, if there's like some corners coming up and I'm ripping through there, I usually, you know, yell out a little hoot and say, hey, coming up around the bend, especially if it's a two-way trail or something like that, just letting people know, you know, what's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, Well, I have noticed sometimes out on the trails, and I ride at Kincaid a lot more than Hillside, that uh, that that people seem to be uh, very courteous. Uh, people are always happy to get off on the side, and mm-hmm. I do too, uh, if, I, uh, if my bell doesn't uh, keep them from getting off their bike first. But... Uh, um, well, I want to uh, to uh, let everybody know that uh, you're listening to Outdoor Explorer on uh, Alaska Public Media. I'm speaking with Lee Bowling. He is the president of Single Track Advocates, a group of mountain bikers working to preserve, maintain, and create single track trails in Anchorage. So we're talking about uh, about there are a couple a couple more things I wanted to ask you about uh, yeah. in regards to single track trails. You've got at Kincaid, you have at least one trail, which is a one-way trail mm-hmm. on odd days you go in one direction on even days you go in the other direction uh the other trails are not are not uh one-way trails how did that come to be how did you choose that trail as a one-way trail and why and and why aren't the other ones uh yeah one-way trails? that is a great that is a great question i'm glad you asked that actually adam <laughs> so um well i'm a professional yeah you are a professional <laughs> this is great so when I, so Kincaid is, is kind of my baby. I, I started that off in 2010 and went through the public process on that. And Janice helped me through it. And, um, and when we started construction, we built just, uh, I think it was like nine miles and it's just everything south of Raspberry Road. So that's like, like a sandbox and kitchen sink and tower power and bowling alley, Lee's train, those kind of trails right there. And um, after we built them, they, be, they started to become pretty popular. And we realized that some of the trails were better as a one way versus the other way. And we could see that the more users we had using these trails, that we could have conflicts with people coming up a trail that most people want to go down on, right? And so one of those trails was like Lee's Train and Good Grief. Named after you also. Named after me <laughs> as well. Yeah, I, my bo- I have an awesome board that I worked with. And uh they named two trails after me for all the hard work I put in. <laughs> so I got Lee's train and then the bowling alley. And so uh, we decided to make those one way from the beginning. Now, the bowling alley is interesting because we, you know, it's like a three and a half mile loop. And it's one of the few like solid, like actual loops that we have out there. It's like you get on it, you can go around forever on that thing. And it was so much fun riding it either direction that we couldn't make up our minds, you know, which way should be the one way on it. Right. And we didn't want two way traffic on that trail. And so we came up with the idea of making it switch every day, even in, you know, on an odd day of the week, it's one way, even day, it's the other day of the week. And as a math, I got my degree in math. So I just, I love numbers and even numbers. I love even numbers. They're like, 
they're like my favorite numbers. I don't know why. <laughs> so, so I made, I made clockwise uh, on even days and then counterclockwise was odd days. Cause counter kind of sounds like odd. I don't know. It just made sense to me. Okay. But, uh, but it was kind of a mistake because, uh, because clockwise is actually the, for me, the most fun to do it is a clockwise direction. And there's actually less even days than there are odd days in, in the summer because there's a 31st, you, you, there's like oh, an extra, you know, so we'll go like 31st of one month to the first of the next. You got two odd days right in a row. So it kind of came back to bite me on oh, that one. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so you're losing one day each year that's, on the, the good direction. That's right. So <laughs> for me, that's out there every day. It does make a difference. But, you know, um, I just thought that was kind of funny. That may be on uh, the list of things to uh, things to change and improve in the future yeah, when, right. when these things come up. <laughs> Uh, is it? And I, I think there's another one-way trail uh, that goes over the bluff down toward uh, the cross-country ski trail, the, the Sisson Loop. Uh, yeah, There's yeah. a single-track advocate trail that, that's down there. And yeah. that also, I think, is one-way also. It, it is, yeah. So on so then, um, so then, on the north side of Raspberry Road is where we built the, the kind of what we call the second phase of Kincaid. And we built that in 2013, 2014. And Middle Earth is the main kind of two-way trail. It's this long trail that connects Raspberry all the way down the coastal trail. And then from there, there's like five one-way trails that come off of Middle Earth and wrap back around. So you got all sorts of different ones. And that final one that you're talking about is called Northwest Passage. And that's a beautiful trail at the very end, kind of gets down by the Sisson Loop and then cuts into Middle Earth that connects over to the coastal trail there. Yeah, and that is the steep, the kind of steep, uh, advanced, advanced trail. Yeah, definitely trail, steep, yeah. Uh, advanced trail. Okay. So, And how about other users, both in the summer and the winter? I mean, it's very popular in the in the winter for fat biking. I see fat bikers out there yeah. all the time. I'm rarely doing it myself, uh, although I do have a fat bike. But mm-hmm. usually if the conditions are okay, I prefer to ski. Yeah. Uh, but I see so many bikers out there. During the winter, what's... Um, is it is it generally is it mostly a, a biking trail during the winter? Do you have a lot of skiers out there? Do you have a lot of snowshoers? Who's welcome uh, to use that trail during the winter? Yeah, definitely. So all the for the single track trails, everyone's welcome on the single track trails at all it, times. At all times, yeah. um, I guess I should clarify that um, the times that we close the trail down is in the spring breakup. Okay. So when the you know it's just soup out there, and you're gonna if you ride your bike, you're gonna create a giant rut. Um, we don't ride at that point. It, wait till it mostly dries up. Usually that's in late May, early June, and then we open it up. Once it's opened up the whole year, it's good to go. Um, but in the wintertime, um, yeah, you know, skiing, you can ski on them. I, I like to Nordic ski on them when there's a fresh snow. You can also snow bike on them. Lots of walkers are on there as well. Yeah. So And some snow, snowshoers. So. Yeah, I see a lot of walkers during the summer too. Uh, walkers and, and runners. Yeah, and I like running on those trails myself. They're um, great to run on. I think the one thing to kind of keep in mind is that if you're uh, running or hiking on the on the one way trails, like the expert trails, I would be cautious on that. Just keep a good lookout because you know there's going to be fast bikers coming through there. So just you know keep your head up on that. But on all the two way trails, you know those are great for for hiking on. Yeah. So you brought up the issue of damage to the trails, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, one of the items in the STA mission was maintenance of trails. I mean, you build them, then you maintain them. Yeah. Uh, how much maintenance goes into the trails? And, and uh, is that a big job or is that relatively minor? And 
and the second part of that question would be what can people do uh, to keep from keep you guys from having to do more work? Yeah, um, no, that's great. That's great. So it is a lot of work. Every year we spend thousands of dollars doing maintenance. And so probably our, our biggest annual maintenance expense is brushing the trails. So weed whacking the trails. So we actually um, pay somebody, pay a contractor to go out on the trails and, and you know, weed whack it two feet back on each side on blind corners, like four feet back. And then they take a, a blower and, you know, blow off all the, all the brush that's been laying on the trail as well. So it's, it's beautiful when it's all done. So uh, we spend about $15,000 a year just on, on weed whacking every year. And where does the money come from for this sort of thing? So the money comes from people like you. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're listening on the phone today and you love our trails, you know, donate to us through our website, singletrackadvocates.org. And we got an easy place there to hit, you hit join us and you can be an annual member or uh, just donate every year. But, uh, but it's really, it's, it's people in the community that donate and we have a great base of riders here and users that donate every year. And that money really helps us maintain the trails and it also, you know, pays for our insurance and all those kind of administrative things we have to do as well to keep going. Okay. But so the, so the weed whacking is one part of it. And the other part of it is actually doing, using tools to, you know, reshape the tread or fix uh, wet areas, things like that, or rebuild a, a berm or a feature. And with that, we uh, use our volunteer crews to do that. And so we have we have uh, three, uh, we have a trail manager and two trail bosses at Kincaid. And then we got another uh, trail boss or trail manager and two trail bosses at Hillside. And they're kind of in charge of mobilizing our volunteer base to do trail crews and all that kind of stuff to, to keep our trails in tip top uh, you know, shape. How how often do they need to be? Uh, I mean, how much how much they wear out in the course of a year? Like a, a trail that's heavily used. Mm -hmm. You know, I see some of these trails that go, run out of the Raspberry Lot at Kincaid. Again, yeah. I'm sort of uh, a lot of my questions are about Kincaid because yeah, I spent right. a lot more time there than than at Hillside. But the same issues happen at Hillside. In yeah. fact, that 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 it occurs to me to ask you. Do you get more use at Hillside or do you get more use at Kincaid or do you know? You know, that's a great question. We do have some counters out there, so that would be neat to look at. But I would say they're both very popular. So I would okay. say if I had to put money on it, probably half and half. Is that right? Okay. Um, of the users right there. But, you know, we, you know we, we've built the trails to be, you know, sustainable trails so that they're built in a way that require less maintenance just due to the design of them, like shedding water the right way, um, things of that nature. But, you know, there are things that we need to do every year to keep them up. Um, but it's not like it's something, you know, it's not like we have to rebuild a whole trail every year or anything like that. It's like, you know, minor things like, hey, this puddle's getting pretty bad. We need to reshape this or or there's some bad braking bumps here when people are, you know, jamming on the brakes and, and slowing down too fast, that kind of stuff. Where did so. you get the, 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 the design for these trails? Where did that... Where did that come from? I'm at, I'm I'm guessing that the uh, that the information that Janice and and you guys as a group used to design these trails must have come from outside of Alaska. I'm guessing that yeah. that observation of other trail systems is is where you got. Uh, you know, I wouldn't know how to design one of these trails so that it looks the way these trails are. The only way that I would have a clue how to do this would be having had some experience at Hillside and Kincaid mm -hmm. and the trails, the mountain bike trails. If I were, if it was my job to build a bunch of mountain bike trails for somebody, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably go, well, all right, I'll try and do them like Hillside and Kincaid because that seems like that's what people want. Yeah. Uh, did, did the idea for the design of these trails come from some other expert or did you use outside expertise or was it just observation of other trail systems and where? That's a great question. So kind of the... Uh, 
the way that it works is that, you know, STA is kind of like, I would say STA is like the trail entrepreneur. So we have this idea of like, hey, we want to build, build a trail and we have to put it through this whole public process and get the permissions. And honestly, getting the permission to build the trail is almost the hardest part. Um, after that, we got to fundraise. And then once we have the money, then we can build it. And when we build it, we hire a professional trail builder to do that, someone that has experience to do that. And we work with them in that project. Now, the very first project that you know we did, STA did at, at Hillside back in 2008, um, we actually brought up the International Mountain Biking Association that helped teach the trail builder at the time who was it was his first you know mountain bike trail project kind of how how to do things and and that trail builder was uh john underwood with happy trails we've had a great relationship with um and building trails and he uh you know he he did that at at uh at hillside and then we used him again at kincaid and um he kind of stepped it up a notch and uh, and so use his expertise there. But the way that the, the design kind of works, and I kind of want to dive into the design because that's what I love. I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade. That's what I actually do in, in my, uh, my non-free time to make money to survive <laughs> for my family. But uh, the design aspect is really cool. And so you got to kind of start out with the design at like a high level first. Like you're looking at, like for example, Kincaid. You know, we went in there and looked at it and said, hey, how can we make a trail network fit inside of these ski trails that are right here? And uh, that's one thing that I wanted to do is get some more trails in there. And so then it was like uh, trying to figure out all those crossings, like how do you take a trail in there and cross the ski trails? And what I figured out was like, hey, if I cross a ski trail at the high point, at the top of a hill, then skiers are going slow, bikers are going slow. And so that kind of set the stage for how all those intersections work. So then it's like, okay, how do I figure out where these intersections are going to be? And then how do I minimize intersections? Because we, the less intersections, the better, right? Yeah, yeah. And then finding the cool terrain to get into. So that was my job as kind of the, the trail entrepreneur, right? Was figuring out, hey, what's possible? Where can we put these, these trails at and connect them all together into a, like a usable product, right? Yeah. So those were like the waypoints that... I could see would be the initial the initial guide to yeah. use connecting the dots and you're connecting the dots and finding the really cool terrain it's like oh there's this awesome little bowl over here we need to have a turn that comes through here or there's this nice rise we got to come through this area so once i could i and i would make all the maps for for that and use that through the public process to get the permission to make it happen and then once we got permission i would take that to our trail builder and say hey this is what we can build and this is kind of the canvas that we have, and these are the constraints we have. Now let's build the coolest trail we can inside of this area. And so then on the ground, we would work together to figure out, okay, the turn's actually going to go here. This is actually going to be a roller, you know, that kind of stuff. And can you kind of get into that more detailed design once you get down, you know, into the construction? Okay. So yeah, this is a really cool experience. Yeah, you said earlier that uh, that the getting permission to build these trails is probably the longest uh, and most difficult part of the whole process. Yeah. And uh, so all of these trails that STA trail uh, that STA has built, if I'm not mistaken, are all on city property. They're all on city land. That's correct. All through the municipality of Anchorage, which have, has been a great partner through this all. Yeah. We've. Uh, we really appreciate them working with us on these uh, trails. And so, how does that process work? Who do you go? Who do you go to to get permission? Is it Parks and Rec? Yeah, it... it's that's a good question. So, um, first, we kind of come up with the idea and say, "Hey, this is kind of what we want to do," and then we reach out to the Parks and Rec, 
and get their gauge on it and see if it it's consistent with the, there's all these plans for all these parks. Is it consistent with the plan that's there? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then we kind of get a, you know, a little bit of a green light to say, hey, yeah, that looks like a good idea. But then it's on us to do the mapping and the background research. And then we got to go to all the community councils that are affected in that in the area and get letters of support. Then we also have to get all the user group letters of support. So like for Kincaid, it's like the biathlon group, NSAA, and then also the archery club. We had to get permission from them. And then we you have two rounds at the um, the Parks and Rec Commission to to go through. And they look at all the letters of support. You got to get you got to mobilize your whole base to send in letters. And there's two meetings and then. You know, someone may request some design changes or things like that, which you have to have to do. And then after that, after you get that final Parks and Rec Commission approval, um, then uh, you pretty much get the permission to make it happen. But that usually takes like a year to a year and a half, just just the public process before you even can tell everyone that, yep, we can build this trail. Yeah, so. I, I would think that that would be a long process and a, and a difficult process when you think about all the user groups that are at both of these places. Yeah. Uh, Hillside, for example, has uh, alpine skiing, and they've looked to expand in the past into where the Spencer Loop is now, mm-hmm. and uh, the STA trails uh, overlap the ski trails and the Spencer Loop, uh, among other trails. Yeah, And, it, and at Kincaid, there's, uh, there's uh, disc golf out there. Yeah. Uh, you have the archers, uh, all the different groups that are out there. One thing I I will say as a as a skier it's my opinion and I've been saying this for years I think that the that the development of the STA trails uh, have been the the biggest skier improvement I think at Kincaid uh, since I've lived here which is uh, 30 30 years now wow. uh, I mean that's just my opinion but one thing that I think has uh, has been a, a sort of a source of contention out there during the winter for skiing is that you have people that want to go walking. Oh, yeah. uh, they want to take their dog out. They want to go snowshoeing. They want to go mountain biking. Uh, now with fat bikes, they want to fat bike. And and sometimes those uses aren't really compatible with uh, maintaining a groomed ski trail. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm speaking from the bias of a skier. But uh, the STA trails have allowed... Uh, have allowed well to skiers to say hey there's this great trail and <laughs> yeah. it's like 20 yards over that way it's like right there yep. and it's better walking than here because it's nice narrow trail it's very uh it's very comfortable trail to and it's and uh and you won't have people barking at you and uh, <laughs> totally. uh, i mean i'm one of those people who think that uh in a city the size of anchorage uh yes it's a free country and and yes we all uh have a right to go out and recreate the way we want, but there's a place for everything. I mean, I wouldn't go, uh, I wouldn't go out to the to the golf course and figure I should be riding my mountain bike out there or yeah. playing frisbee. I mean, it'd be a great place to uh, to go out there and uh, and throw a frisbee, but golfers don't want you out there throwing a <laughs> yeah. frisbee. I mean, it's just not compatible. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the same with um, uh, with with some of these parks where we have a, a lot of different users, but the STA trails have allowed. Uh, a lot more segregation of users into uh, uh, into routes where they're not conflicting uh, with each other. And it's amazing on the ski trails how many sets of walking and biking tracks cross at those intersections that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're on the ski trails and you don't see very many fat bikers because you're not really crossing paths that often, uh, it's not long. I mean, they the trail gets groomed and a matter of hours later, you can see that there have been a lot of bikes and walkers going across the trail yeah. and snowshoers and all the other 
other things. And I think it's, it has really made uh, these parks a lot more pleasant place uh, to mountain bike and to ski and to walk and do no, the other things that people like I to hear. I totally agree with that. And I'm an avid skier as well. I mean, I did, I was a ski racer in high school, went to junior nationals and everything. And, and I love Nordic skiing. And that was actually one of the impetuses for building those original Kincaid trails inside of those ski trails was like, hey, if we build these, then we got a spot that people can go walk, walk their dog, you know, hike in the wintertime and aren't going to bother, bother us skiers that want to have nice groom corduroy. And so, uh, and it's really worked out. I mean, it's been a, this great um, kind of design and it's it's really worked and people are, are loving it. Yeah, it's... Um... Well, like I said, I think it's one of the one of the nicest improvements out out in these in these areas, uh, in both Kincaid and Hillside. We've been talking about Kincaid and Hillside a lot. Um, are there any other projects that uh, that STA has done uh, within the Anchorage Bowl that because uh, we've only talked about these two ski areas, yeah. uh, the two well, not the two ski areas, the two <laughs> the two parks, Hillside. That's right. Uh, that's and, a Nordic uh, ski area. I know coming that's, out. that's my bias coming <laughs> out. Um, but um, but uh, have you been involved in other trails? Uh, yes, I have. And um, we're just finishing up this new trail. It's about a six-mile trail, and it's called the Hemlock Burn Trail. And it goes from um, Glen Alps all the way down to Prospect. And it's in Chugach State Park. So it's the first okay. trail that we're, we've built in Chugach State Park. And uh, I'm really excited um, for us to open this trail once it's, once it's complete. We're almost there. And, um, but it's just a beautiful trail. It's a, we built it as a beginner um, family-friendly trail. So it's just a nice, great views of uh, the Anchorage Bowl and the mountains around. Just a nice kind of curving trail through the uh, beautiful hemlock on the hillside there. And then a small little climb in the middle and then another downhill. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward for people to, to see it. It's just, it's going to be such a great asset to our community once it's, it's complete. And it, the cool thing about it is that it connects into our, into the STA hillside trails as well. Okay. And so it'll have this big connection through. So it really creates this, you know, high quality network of trails that's all going to be connected together. Okay. So you could ride, yeah, you could stay on STA trails basically from, uh, you could leave out of the hilltop parking lot by the ski jumps, mm-hmm. end up up by Glen Alps uh, and come back down again. And that would yeah. Be, so the, the main way you would do that is, you know, you would, uh, yeah, start at hilltop, go up drone lane all the way up to the top. And then you can take uh, the South Fork Rim Trail, which is okay. a, the South Fork Rim Trail is not a STA trail. That's just Chugach State Park. And you take that all the way up and then you can get all the way up to um, Glen Alps. And then from there, you can ride all the way down the Hemlock Burn Trail back to uh, Prospect and then get on the STA trails at, at Hilltop and Hillside and come all the way back down. So. And, and what's allowed up on the on the upper hillside above Prospect Heights? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you've got trails up there where where biking is allowed, and you have others where it's not allowed. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. So uh, Chugach State Park is is very different than the municipality of Anchorage Parks. In that their vision for their their land is different. Yeah, the the difference is that in the Chugach State Park, all biking is prohibited except for on specific trails, okay. okay? Whereas on in Parks and Rec land, you know, pretty much most trails are open for for biking. Uh, you know, if there's a trail in the woods, you can go bike on it, yeah, right? Yeah, that was going to be another question of mine, was like, you've yeah. got these social trails, maybe some of them are rooty, but I know a lot of people, especially with, uh, with dual suspension, with uh, mm-hmm. full suspension bikes, they like riding those trails better anyway. Yeah. And so that's, you can go anywhere you want on, on Muni land on a bike. For, for the most part, you can. Yeah. But in Chugach State Park, you can't. 
You can okay. only go on, there's maybe like five trails that you yeah. could actually ride that are single track trails on a mountain bike. The vast majority of, of trails in Chugach State Park are hiking, you know, hiking only trails or, or skiing trails. So, you know, you can't ride your bike up to O'Malley, you know, you can't, um, yeah. you know, go back Willowall Lakes on your bike. Even Middle Fork Loop, you can't go on a bike except for in the wintertime. When it's frozen. When it's frozen, yeah. And, and for people who are curious or wonder why they can't ride their bike out there, what's the purpose? Yeah, so, well, why not? you know, that's a great question. Really, it comes down to, and I've read through this whole thing, is the, um, the Chugach um, State Park Trails Management Plan. And so this trails plan lays out the vision for Chugach State Park. And it, in, inside of it, it has these different trails that you can use for biking, ones that you can't. And then also trails in there that could be open for biking in the future, like if they're improved. So, you know, those are things that would be great to improve at some point so we can open some more trails in Chugach yeah. State Park. But, uh, but I think it's, you know, I, the thing that I like about Chugach State Park is that, you know, I don't think mountain biking should happen at, everywhere. I think it's nice having different places for different uses right and so there is nice places up there that i I actually don't want to see a bike you know i want to go for a nice hike and 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 be away you know but there's definitely places in there that i would like to see more biking so like oh man can we talk about this really quick adam well we'll see all right you say it and then we'll see whether we cut it or we leave it all right sounds good (laughs) is you know if i had if i had my way and they and someone gave Lee bowling a magic wand and said, Hey, this is, you know, what would you like to see in the next couple of years? Yeah, you're king of America. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which never will happen. But uh, what I would love to see is the thing that we have here in Alaska and especially in Anchorage that nowhere else has is this high alpine ecosystem that's just gorgeous. And if there was a way that we could build a, a multi use trail that you could bike on and hike and run on that somehow connected from Anchorage to Girdwood and was like a lot, like imagine Lost Lake, but that went all the way down there. It would just be an amazing thing. I mean, that would be a huge undertaking and you'd have to rewrite that Chugach trails management plan and everything and huge public process. But if I had my magic wand, I mean, that would be amazing. Right down Penguin Ridge. I know, right? (laughs) That would would be awesome. Well, we'll see if it ever comes to fruition. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm Adam Verrier. I'm uh, your host. And my guest today is Lee Bowling. And uh, Lee Bowling is the author of a book called Welcome to Earth, Fellow Human. And I wanted to talk about that next. Oh, uh, great. Because I, uh, I had the opportunity to read your book uh, recently. And uh, and I found it really interesting. I found um, it, it's, it's in reading your book... It, it sort of uh, it occurred to me. I could see I could see the Lee Bowling personality in here, the curious <laughs> guy uh, who uh, is curious about the world around him and uh, and wants to make the the world uh, uh, a place that's more uh, more in concert with his vision. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your book that you read recently? Who who is the book for? Yeah, so the book is for every single human. On planet Earth, and uh, I think it's going to sell well. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, Especially like ages eight to a hundred. Okay, so that's a pretty big range there. But the the vision. Well, this book is really it's like 
It's about 20 pages long or so. Actually, 50 pages long, but like two sides, about 20 full spreads. And uh, the goal of the book is to quickly take everyone through the history of the universe from the very beginning, 13.8 billion years ago to right now. And uh, and just to give you like a, a perspective of where, how did we get here and uh, where we think we're going. And uh, the thing that I love about this book are these two different timelines that I thought up. And I think that's what really makes this book unique. Yeah, I, that's that's and I wrote down some notes here. I wanted to talk to you about this. I, I said the same thing. There were there were two timelines. One was about evolution. Uh, You're talking about uh, uh, basically uh, the formation of uh, of the universe 13, 13.8 uh, billion years ago uh, and ends with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second uh, timeline was uh, development of of human technology. How did humans develop from from farming and being able to bake bread and and uh, and use tools up until I think the last uh the, the high point of the technology at the end of the spectrum was the creation of the book, Welcome to Earth, Fellow <laughs> <Yeah>. Human. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of hubris there. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, can you, how does that, how is that laid out and how does that relate to, I got the feeling when I was reading the book that, uh, that this was written to your children, maybe. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I'd love for my children to really, you know, read this and, and love it. But, uh, oh man. Yeah, the thing that that let me just explain the t- two yeah. timelines really quick. That and I think this is just makes it a really easy way for any human to to realize what's going on is that the first timeline is your body. So from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, you imagine and when you're standing up, that's 13.8 billion years ago. So at the bottom of the, your feet, you know, the universe starts and then by the time we get to your uh your knees is when um our galaxy forms. So that's pretty cool. And I ran, I love math. So I ran all the numbers on this and with the ratios and everything, you know, it, okay. all, it all works out. When I started, when I started laying it out, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then by the time you get to your belly button is when our solar system is created. Okay. Which is really neat. And then by the time you get to our chest, that's when the first life forms, the first cell forms. And then by the time you get to your, um, your shoulders is when, um, cells figured out how to do photosynthesis and we created, and they created, um, you know, oxygen in the atmosphere for the first time, which is an amazing feat. And then by the time you get to your lips is when the first multicellular organism came about. And then by the time you get to your, um, your eyebrows is when the, uh, the first, you know, ocean animals came about swimming in the ocean, right? Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're bigger now. And then it wasn't until your forehead that you had the first land animals. And then by the, a thumbs width from the top of your head is when the first dinosaurs and mammals came about. And then the, my favorite part is that in the thickness of your hair is when our ancestors created fire. Okay. So it's just like in that whole timeline, the whole length of your body, just in the thickness of our hair is when, you know, our ancestors finally created fire. And it's just, it just, for me, it just, you kind of easily puts everything in this timeline that when you learn something, you kind of can easily put it in your body timeline and, and, and say, oh, it kind of happened in this area, you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, uh, it one thing that, that one of the, the illustrations, you illustrated the book yourself also. I did, I did. I, I did my best job I could with my illustrations. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the illustrations, it's the last one, I think, in the book. Uh, and you talk about, it, uh, when you describe it the way you just did, you know, I, I see our lives as being uh, as being quite small in relation to everything else that's going on around us in the universe, on, even on the not only on the planet and and within our 
evolution, but also in the in the universe. And mm-hmm. uh, and the final illustration is a is a sort of the, a starry sky and a little tiny Earth in the middle of it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think uh, gives some 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 clue to uh, you know your understanding of how small we really are uh, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, no, that's that's totally right. But the thing that I at the very end that I like as well is like even though we are on this you know this tiny planet going around the sun, you know, spinning through the universe, is that everything comes down to like what we create and what we experience in this world around us. And for me, I really think that's kind of the, the meaning of life is, you know, um, you know, taking, taking life by your hands and creating something that you want to see and uh, making it happen. Yeah. And, and I guess that brings us back to the, the to the trail building, uh, thing. I mean, you've been in, you're involved in a lot of things. Uh, you've, uh, um, uh, you'd like to make music. Uh, you're involved in a whole bunch of stuff. I get the impression you're a really busy guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, the trail building uh, thing is is one of these. That, well, the last the last uh, sentence in the book, or the last paragraph, actually, I think I should read it because I think it uh, I think it's illustrative of uh, of maybe what your philosophy is here. You say um, you say now that you see where we came from, it's important to know that as a human. There are many things that you have no control over. You can't control how big your toes are or where on earth you were born. But the great thing about being human is that you can control how you act and how you and what you create in the world around you. You have the mind and body to put your own special touch on our home planet. So what will you do with your time on earth? How will you what will you create? Where will you explore? Welcome to Earth. I hope you make it an awesome place. <laughs> and so ends uh, your book. And and I, I think that uh, you've put a lot of energy into trail building. Uh, certainly you have a vision for, for what you would like to see around you in, in terms of trails mm-hmm. and recreational opportunities. Um, it seems that uh, that that this book is somewhat of a of a of a, a boiled down philosophy of Lee Bowling to some extent. Wow! Yeah, you're you're right. You really are. I didn't really think of it about it that way, but it, <laughs> it really is. It's like Lee Bowling philosophy, right there. And uh, yeah, you know, I I have always been ever since I was a kid. I've always been interested in, in how the world works and and how things come to be, and then what is kind of like the meaning of life. And what I came up with early on was like, hey, we got one shot while we're here on earth, you better make it a good one and and really create what you wanna see in, in the world around you. And that's kind of been my driving kind of force and a lot of things I do and uh, and kind of what motivates me with my you know family and my friends and also these tr- the trails that I've built and bands I've been in and then um, doing this book as well, just kind of, hey, I really wanna see this thing uh, come to fruition and just working hard and and making it happen. Well, what uh, you know? What can we do to, uh, to as as users of these trail systems? I mean, you've you've gotten involved. I think that you you got involved in STA, which was an organization that was built before you got involved in it. You had no mm-hmm. no involvement at the very beginning. That was Janice Tower and and her friends that she gathered up. I'm 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 thinking. Yep, you're right. And you got involved later. Um, we're seeing, I think, especially through this pandemic, a lot more use, a lot more people outside. Um, I used to do roller ski intervals on uh, on the hill uh, 
down out of Kincaid, down onto the coastal trail. But there's no way I would try that because it's always packed with people, which I'm happy to see. I'd like to mm-hmm. still be able to go out there and do workouts on that hill, but it's just not going to happen with families out there. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it's great. I think the more people we have outside, the better off we are as a city, the better we are, are, are we uh, better off we are as you know as a group of people. Um, but what can people do if they, I think there's a lot more skiers during the winter. There's a lot more mountain bikers, mountain biking out there. I mean, there's, there's times when I don't go out on the mountain bike trail systems. I mean, I, if I can, mm-hmm. I avoid the high times. I think, yeah. well, I'm going to just be, I'm just going to be seeing so many bikers out there. I'm going to be pulling over all the time <laughs> yep. uh, or I need to get a bigger bell so everybody else gets off their bike. Uh, but, um, what can we do to, uh, uh, to, to make, to make, Anchorage and the Anchorage Bowl a better a better place to use trails. I mean, I think you've already alluded to uh, don't go out there biking when it's been raining for three days and it's a mud pit out there. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's there's that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a good question of, you know, what can we do to make it a better place? And I I think I think first of all is just being uh, good users to each other, no matter you know what what uh, if you're a biker or a skier or a runner you know we're all people and let's all treat each other with respect is is probably the top thing but also you know designating areas for you to to do different things like having great mountain bike trails and then having good hiking trails and good ski trails and and expanding those trails in ways that that limits the impact on other users, but also making it more fun for everyone too. I, I don't know if I said that right, yeah. but just having these high quality systems, you know, some people say, hey, Lee, are you done, you know, building trails or do we have too many trails? And I think the answer is is uh, is no, we don't have too many trails yet. Um, I think we can have more trails, but it's about uh, putting them in the right spot, you know, and make, making them making them and work for all the, all the other people that are out there too. Yeah, it, it, there's certainly more pressure, uh, but, but I, I, th- there are other trail systems I think that are being built in other that are outside of the immediate Anchorage Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Peters, what Peters Creek has a uh, has a bike trail that's being built out there. Yeah, out, uh, Mirror Lake. Mirror Lake. Mirror Lake. Yeah. Right. So they're they've built trails out there, and now they're building a uh, a like a bike playground, a bike park. And Do you have any involvement with that? You... Just on the periphery, I, I know uh, that it's being built and I've, I've seen some of the plans and stuff and it looks like a great project. So I'm really excited to see that one come complete. I think that'll be done this fall. Okay. So. And how about in the valley? You grew up. Did you grow up in Palmer? I think I you did. Grew, yeah. Palmer Moose, the all moose. the way. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, what are the rec- what kind of are you? Do you have any involvement in? Do you have Do you have uh, friends and family in Palmer? Are you in Palmer a lot? Yeah, do you, do my you go there? my parents are still out in Palmer. Still okay. got friends out there. So do you go biking out there? Do you go running and biking and doing a bunch of stuff out there? Yeah, occasionally I'll go out there and do it. You know, I have such small kids right now that most of the stuff I'm doing is just kind of right around in Anchorage here, okay. but. Uh, but that kind of brings up another another thing is you know as as STA has gotten more uh, popular you know we've created these projects and we've we've done a good job at them we've been people have reached out to us from different outside of anchors to say hey can you guys build a trail out here or can you do this and it's like hey we can't actually do that we're just this is just all volunteer for us you know okay. we're we're focused on Anchorage but we would love to help you out so like. Um, Vimba out in the Valley Mountain Bikers and Hikers Association, when they were doing their government peak, you know, project out there, they would give me a call and I helped them out with signage and said, hey, these are the signs that we use. You should, you know, use these. Here's some ideas. And so it's really like if people call, 
uh, you know, and folks in Girdwood have given us a call too. And it's really like spreading the knowledge that we have now to these other people to help them build those trails in their areas. Yeah, because there must be the same sorts of pressure and and uh, pressure to develop systems in other parts of of the state. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that the rest of the state is seeing the same sort of increase in in outdoor recreational use than Anchorage is. Yeah. They must be. Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, just talking to the bike shops this last year, all the bike shops were like sold out of bikes. I mean, the demand was so high. It's just amazing. And all outdoors gear, you know, it's yeah. hard to find stuff. And so what does Vimba have going? I, I mean, uh, what does Vimba have going on out there? Are there some mountain bike trails that are similar to STA trails in the valley? Yeah, there are. They're over by their Government Peak Recreation Area. So as you're driving out towards Hatcher Pass, before you cross the bridge uh, to kind of get up there, take a left. And it's kind of back in that area. And they've built some really cool trails back in that area. And I think they're trying to build more um, in that whole area, which would be which would be great to have more trails up in the, if they can get up in the Alpine up in Hatcher Pass would be amazing. Right. Well, uh, here in Anchorage, what's where do you see all this going? I mean, we've built more trails. You've said you, you've already uh, sort of uh, said if you were if you were king of the world, you would <laughs> you build a trail to Girdwood that stays in the Alpine. Yeah. Are there any other ideas that uh, that that you have, or, or are there, or is there anything in the in development actually that? Uh, that's happening in Anchorage that people might be curious about. Yeah. Well, I think for, for STA, I think kind of our main focus right now is, is finishing that, that hemlock burn trail. So that's kind of number one. Um, The other two things is just keep um, making our existing trails better. So like uh, our hillside trails and our Kincaid trails, you know, uh, let's see, it was last year we actually re- brought a machine in and rebuilt a couple of the trails at Kincaid, which was great. It was great. We used money we had raised to revamp some of our trails. And I like to do that revamp process at some of our hillside trails, some more of the Kincaid trails, and uh, just uh, keep making those. It's not like we're building more trails. We're taking the same trail, but making even more fun. Is that Northwest Passage? Was that one of those projects? Northwest Passage okay. was one of them. We also did Candy Mountain evolution and hanging chad were kind of the four trails or and second breakfast we did those five trails last summer and revamped those with the machine okay where is second breakfast second breakfast is right by the archery range okay i know yeah yeah. right over there that's is that the uh the sort of downhill expert trail yeah it's kind of a it's actually an intermediate trail but it's got some some jumps at the beginning and it rolls down. Okay. I yeah. guess anything with so. a jump in, it seems like an expert trail to me. He's <laughs> yeah. trying to keep the wheels on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So I see those as, you know, keeping, keeping those uh, trail systems, you know, make them better and better. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about is that Hilltop, the ski area, just finished their bike park um, this year. And that's a really cool bike park and it fits really well in with the trails we built. And hopefully Hilltop can keep building those trails out there and kind of make Hilltop like a hub for the whole hillside area for mountain biking. Okay. It'd be really cool. Um, and then and then in the future, there's also this um, bike park that's supposed to be built at South Anchorage Sport, Sports Park, which is off Clatt Road. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of back in there. And that bike park's been in the works for a couple of years now. And uh, there's a design for it. And it's just kind of getting that finished up. So I'd like to help out and, and make sure that thing happens. And what kind of uh, what kind of park would that be? I'm envisioning BMX. Yeah, kind uh, do we even have BMX uh, BMX track here in Anchorage? Yeah, no, not like BMX, um, but it's like uh, be split between what's called like a pump track. Okay, pump track. So you kind of like a BMX bike, but it's you know smaller bikes, but you're kind of pumping your way through. And maybe you can explain what a pump track is. Yeah, so a pump. Imagine a 
it's almost like what a skate park would look like, you know, with like these rollers and tight berms and rollers and you really get on the on it with your bike and you're not pedaling, you're pumping. And the right. pumping motion is what what propels you around the track. So for a guy like for a guy like you with physics who likes physics and yeah. math, the idea being you could take the chain off your bike, you could provide no pedal power. You could go in, and if you could just get a little bit of momentum to start, yep. you push down on the downhills, lift up on the uphills, and you can go faster, faster, faster around this park. That's uh, right. Because and, that's how you create. And you know. the more you go, the faster you, you – the more you pump, the faster you go, and then you can kind of skip over. Let's say there's a three three rollers in a row. You might be able to skip two of them. Okay. And, you know, and then get even more speed around it. And so this is a skill that, that any mountain bike racer, I would think, would use as part of their racing strategy anyway. You're always pumping to get more free speed yeah. because it's a gravity fed. It's it's only gravity that powers you. That's correct. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good way to think about it. Gravity fed. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. But, yes, yeah, so that's the pump track. And then the other side of the park would be more of a, a tall mound of, of like a, imagine a, a large hill that you would pedal to the top. And then at the top of that hill would be like three or four trails that come down. And each would be like a beginner trail, intermediate trail, expert trail. And they would have different features on their different jumps on their of different sizes. So you could the beginner one, you could learn how to hit some jumps and come all the way down the bit. And then intermediate is bigger. And then expert one would be a lot bigger jumps okay. on there. And on the so. hillside, you mentioned earlier that the hillside trail system had just been built or the new hillside bike park mm-hmm. had just been built. That's lift accessed downhill mountain biking. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And okay. so, yeah, so Hilltop just finished that up and they got three trails there. They have a beginner uh, trail. They got an intermediate trail. And off the intermediate trail, there's this there's this uh, pro jump line. There's some pretty massive jumps that are right underneath the uh, the lift, which are really cool to see people hitting those. Okay. And then you have this uh, expert trail, a black trail, which is um, rocky and rooty with some drops, and it's definitely a tough trail. It's a cool trail. So I've I got to ride it before they opened, and uh, it was it was awesome to see. What okay. They built. So I guess we're gonna see you out at uh, the hillside. Uh... The Hillside Bike Park, the Hilltop <laughs> Bike Park a lot in the future. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, uh, one one other thing, I, I, we're, we've, we're just about out of time, we need to wrap up. Um, but one thing that I forgot to ask you earlier, how do you get a hold of your book? Uh, oh, yeah. How do you how do you how do you get that book if you wanna if you wanna buy the Lee Bowling book? Yeah, you're right. Well, the easiest way to do it is to go onto Amazon, and you can just type in "Welcome to Earth." fellow human lee bowling it'll pop right up okay and you can buy it there on amazon i think they're actually having a sale right now if you're amazon prime so get on it (laughs) um also you can order i actually made a website and you can order it through there if you want a signed copy and you live locally so you can come by and i'll sign you a copy and send it off to you and it's welcome to earth.net okay so all right um well, Lee, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today uh, here about uh, Anchorage's uh, single track trail system. Um, really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank you so much, Adam. This has been a pleasure. I'd like to uh, thank our, our producer, Eric Bork, for producing the show. I'm Adam Verrier. Thank you for joining us here on Outdoor Explorer, and I'll see you outdoors. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, the man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. 
To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.